How are you guys this morning? Good worship. I was uh, convicted. I don't know if you guys find yourself sometimes being convicted by the songs, the words that you're singing. I hope that's something that you, sometimes it's really easy just to sing the word, you know what I mean? But I mean, those words of the last song we're singing, I say, just want to know you, give all I have just to know you. And I mean, I, I can't sing those words without asking myself, really? Would, would I? Am I? Will I? What will I give to know Christ more than what I know him right now? And uh, so I hope that um, um, songs like that when we sing are a challenge to you. But I want to share with you a scripture real quick before I ask Trevor to come up. And uh, it worked out really well um, uh, to have Trevor come and, and talk with us today about his trip because um, if you were here last week, I know we had a lot going last week uh, for fall break, but um, we talked about how the first church had tremendous courage to go out and share Christ. Um, and so we've been kind of identifying some things that we see in the life of the first church that... Um, that we need to, to um, we need to mirror. That we need to to uh, you know evaluate and question whether or not you know we have that same uh, courage to share Christ. And um, um, I want to just before I ask him to come up, I want to share uh, a scripture that I actually mentioned last week, but uh, I think it'll lay some context for us today. This is from Acts chapter one. And um, this is uh, after the resurrection. Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. And he's with his disciples. And he gives them these instructions. Uh, Even though we're not talking about this, I don't want to ever leave this out. He says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I mentioned to you last week how they were still under that impression that Jesus at that moment was going to become the king of Israel and was going to lead them the physical kingdom and lead them out of bondage and, uh, and all of that. And so they're like, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is the key for us today. And you will be my witnesses. We hear... Um, priority talk there. What I mean by that is here Jesus is just before he's about to send back to heaven and, he, and he's telling them, you know, he's answering their question, which the question was a little bit off base and he's answering their question and he's saying, listen, don't worry about all that. You know, it's, it's the father that knows the times and the dates and whatever's going to happen. Don't worry about that. This is what you need to concern yourself with. What you need to concern yourself with is 
You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's what they were to concern themselves with. And I, I would, I should say, that wasn't just for them. So what is it that God is concerned with? One of the things that is the priority for, for God and for Christ is that we hear this passage and understand that that's still being spoken over us today, and that is that you will be my witnesses. And it says here in Acts, it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you were to draw circles from those, what he said right there, Jerusalem, which is where they were. And then all Judea, which was the surrounding area. And then Samaria, which was the surrounding area around that, and to the ends of the earth. And so it's like Jesus was telling them, listen, you're going to start here, and you're going to start working your way out. And you're going to be my witnesses. That was his concern. And I could go into, and I don't want to spend much time, but I, I, I would tell you that that's exactly what happened. And it didn't happen. I think this is noteworthy. It did not happen. Um, well, let me say this. It, God used a lot of different things to help make that happen. Because if you're reading through the book of Acts, you get to uh, chapter 7, and basically everyone is still in Jerusalem. And Christ had told them what? You're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as you work your way through Acts, they're kind of still hanging tight to Jerusalem. Because that's what we do. You know, we kind of, we kind of hang out where we're comfortable. And in, in Acts chapter, the end of Acts chapter 7, at the beginning of, verse, of chapter 8, uh, one of the disciples, uh, Stephen, um, was stoned to death. And it tells us that uh, at the beginning of chapter 8, and it says Saul, before his conversion in Acts chapter 9, Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. And it says, on that day, now listen, this is interesting, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? That uh, Jesus told them back in Acts 1, you're going to be my witnesses, and it's going to start here, and it's going to work out. We get to Acts 7, they're still kind of all hanging out. And Stephen is martyred. Um, and stoned to death, and it says, because of Saul, at that moment, Saul was really over that, a persecution broke out against the church, and the persecution scattered the believers out, which was God's plan. So we like to kind of stay in our comfort zone, and, and God will do whatever God needs to do to move us out of that for us to be his witnesses that he called us to be. And so today we're going to hear the story of a young man who uh, stepped out of his comfort zone to be a witness for Christ. And um, I think you guys are going to be challenged this morning. So at this time I'm going to ask Trevor to come on up.
What mic you want me to use, Brian? This one over here? Let me get this for you here. You guys, I gotta make sure you hear Trevor because he's got a cool voice. I like his voice. God's gonna use his voice. He already has. What's that? <laughs> all right. Okay, how, you guys, most of you, uh, most if not all of you know this is Trevor Chapin. Trevor, how old are you? 20. 20, all right. <laughs> you hear that bass? Boom. It's not. So, uh, um, and so I've got some questions, and we're just going to see where it kind of goes because I want to make sure he really is able to share his heart with different things. But uh, just to kind of give context, I don't want to assume that everybody knows uh, where all Trevor went and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, Trevor, this was a, a five-month trip, is that correct? And, uh, you, and you started where? So we started out in Richmond, Virginia. We went there for three months for a, like a lecture kind of training phase. And then uh, we went two months on the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> so, uh, so the Appalachian Trail, how many guys been to the Appalachian Trail? Anybody in here? There we go. Mom and dad, anybody else? <laughs> All right, that sounds cool. What, huh? Oh, there's some pictures behind us, look at there. Oh, yeah. so, so there'll be some pictures throughout while we're talking and, um, and so you can kind of see some different things there. But so just as we kind of dive into some of the details, uh, Richmond, Virginia for three months and then, and then transition to the Appalachian Trail for two months. Um, for this uh, missionary journey, and we're going to talk more details about that. So let me ask you this, Trevor. Why did you uh, decide to sign up for this? Why did you want to go? Um, I really don't know. Like, I, I still don't know. Like, I, you asked me earlier, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I was like, I don't really know. But I think the biggest reason was just a change of pace, really. I just got comfortable with what I was doing here, and I was here and then I kind of felt like I was just like hey you need to step out I was like okay and uh, <laughs> I looked at the YWAM website and found Richmond and the Appalachian Trail and I was like all right started praying about him he's like that's where I want you to go I was like that's a long ways away but okay <laughs> so yeah really just a change of pace and something new and um, and by the way, YWAM is an organization, missionary type um, organization that helps people go on different kinds of trips and different things, experience this. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you guys heard the word, didn't you? Did you hear him say, you know, I was, I was just, I was comfortable. I needed to do something different. I need to step out. And those are key things to, to listen for because I think it really, as much as I want Trevor to share today, I want you guys to be processing through what God might be saying to you. And so please don't, uh, don't lose sight of that. So here you, you decide, you go through the application process, you get accepted, and you are about to go and in the process of going. And my question to you, Trevor, is um, what, what were you afraid of? What, what kind of things were going through your mind as you're about to go off on this trip? Uh, I think the biggest thing was, you know, it's 2,000 miles or whatever away from where I've been for my whole life pretty much. And, uh, you know, there's no family up there. I didn't know anybody. Uh, I think the closest person I knew was in 
Tennessee, when that's still a ways away. And uh, yeah, just like, I didn't know, really know what to expect. Like, I had heard stories about like what Wild was like, but I didn't really know like what to <laughs> expect and like who all I was going to meet and what all we were going to do and just everything that we would learn and how challenging it would be. So just that, just like kind of the unknown of what was going to happen was kind of the really yeah. biggest hindrance so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, uh, when I was younger, I thought a lot about, I thought God was calling me to be a missionary. And um, I just uh, thought, I just no way I can eat all that stuff that the missionaries eat. It's just not going to happen. So anyway, we, uh, we make big, you know, deep theological decisions sometimes, you know, about where we think God's leading us to go. So, yeah, I can imagine the, uh, just, just not knowing what to expect and all that kind of stuff. So you get to training. Tell us a little bit about training. What was training all about? So the training was, I might say, simple or easy. It was uh, every day we got up and had a quiet time early in the morning. And then we went to classes and we had a different speaker come in each week talking to us just like how to hear God's voice, like pursuing him, uh, the Father heart of God, just all these different topics and everything. And uh, so, but, so we did that in the morning and then we worked at the base and everything, you know, and then at night we would have some type of small mission kind of thing that we did, either helping people in the community or uh, just going and playing basketball at the local community building with the people, which is the kids there, just, just hanging out with them, showing love with them. <laughs> so you were saying, describing that, like, they would have just different activities for you to go do that were basically, from what you told me, yeah. just preparation for, you know, learning how to interact with people, learning how to uh, build relationships with people, uh, different kind of experiences that would prepare you for, I guess none of those experiences necessarily could prepare you for the Appalachian Trail, but they, they prepare you for people and yeah. what people are like and how to, you know. Yeah, they, it, each one was like on Monday nights we would do worship, or no, Monday nights we'd go to the gym and work out. That wasn't much fun, but that, uh, Tuesday nights we would have, a, we had a thing called, uh, what was it? it was called Conversation Night where we would all go to the base and then uh, they had refugees from the Congo come and we would just teach them English and hang out with them and play games with them and stuff and that was every Tuesday. Thursday we'd play basketball with the local community kids at the community building. Uh, every other Saturday we went to a, a church and got on a bus and went to uh, just some apartment complexes and picked up the kids there and drove them to church and just preparing us for all different levels of people pretty much. Right. So. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about the transition from there to, uh, so you go from there, it's a couple hours, two, three hours away to where you start on the Appalachian Trail and give us a feel for, um, you know, what was a uh, typical, I mean, I mean, I, I, when I heard about this trail, I'm like, what, what, I mean, what's the trail? I mean, what, what, what is this like hike? What, what, what was it like? What was the everyday like on the Appalachian Trail? What was going on? Um, so pretty much it was, the transition was really hard because like 
you used to, when you're at the base, you know, you used to go into bed at like 10 o'clock, 10 or 11 o'clock, and uh, getting up at like 5 o'clock to get ready for the day. And uh, you get to the trail, and then you're pretty much on daylight time, where like it's dark, you go to bed, the sun comes up, you wake up and start your day. And uh, each day was either they gave us the option in the morning to go hike or to do trail magic. And trail magic was where we would pull out some tables and uh, and uh, make a pot of coffee and some food and stuff and give it to the hikers as they're coming through. And we just hang out with them for a couple hours and then we jump in the vans and then drive up to where the other people hiked and pick them up and then camp for the night. And then that was an everyday thing for two months. <laughs> so uh, give us, help us understand that this trail, how long is the trail overall? Do you know? like 2,000, 2,280 or something like that. Okay, it's a big trail. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia <laughs> to Maine. <laughs> and so, and there's all kinds of people on this Appalachian Trail for different reasons. Give me an idea of the kinds of different kinds of people and why they're on the trail. Um, most of the people on the trail were either, oh yeah, that was, that there was bus ministry. That was. Back at training. Yeah, that was back at training. That was. That was a bear. That, that, we, <laughs> that was a bear. <laughs> yeah, we, that was an interesting day. That was kind of scary, but uh, yeah. So the people on the trail, what are they? Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, good. Bear. Uh, <laughs> the people on the trail were most of them were just like either right out of high school or right out of college, um, or they had just retired, and uh, if they either just got out of the military or just got lost their job. And uh, if they were getting out of high school or college, it's just like, oh, I want to, you know, we'd all ask him, you know, like, what are you doing now? You know, it's like, oh, I just got out of high school or college, and I'm just here to do something before my life starts, you know, or uh, the retired people, you know, it's, we just got, we just retired, so we're here as like a last little hoorah thing before, I don't know. (laughs) Before, before, I don't know. Sorry, well, you know. It's not supposed to come out like that. (laughs) 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 Or just like the retired people, or the, we're going to stay away from the retired people. Uh, (laughs) The (laughs) uh, people who just got out of the military, they were just, they got there and they they were just adjusting back to life, you know, outside of the military. But, But yeah, that was, that is, Everybody in the group, that's all the leaders and the students. And I don't know who that other person is. Oh, that was the lady next to the girl in the blue shirt. She was with the, I'm stepping on stuff. She was with the, the uh, bus ministry stuff and they were moving stuff from one building to another. To another and we just helped move furniture and stuff like that. There's also, um they, did you tell me there's people that actually, I mean, so you got people that are in transition in their life. Yeah. You got people who are just there for adventure. Yeah. You've got people who are struggling. Yeah. You've got people who actually live. Yeah, there's a lot of, we ran into some homeless people there. And uh, they kind of, so some places it's kind of actually like illegal for the homeless people to be on the trail. And uh, so they were just like, oh no, we're, we're hikers, you know, and. 
And you could tell they yeah. weren't hikers. Yeah, no, you could tell they weren't hikers. They, yeah. you know, they're carrying all this heavy equipment, and it got pretty easy to tell who was a through hiker and who was just like a day hiker or section hiker because they're carrying all this light gear and everything. And then, yeah, you could just kind of tell after a while. But yeah, so so you um, would do things just to serve and minister to the people that were coming through on the trail, mm-hmm. feed them, mm-hmm. sit and talk. Um, that was really the heartbeat of what you were trying to do, at least open the door for some ministry beyond that. Yeah, so they told us from day one that uh, there's, so there's what's, it's called the bubble of hikers, and that's where the largest group of hikers uh, are. And uh, they're just like, we're here to build relationships with the hikers so we can minister to them, to them, minister to them later on. And uh, so we, they had all been on the trail for three months before that and uh so they were all hiking 20 miles a day and we were hiking like eight whenever we first no no first day we did hike 12 but in between eight and 12 miles a day so we would have to hike a few miles and then drive to far farther north with the bubble so we could keep in contact with those people and uh it's just building a relationship with them and then uh hanging out with them and so tell me, tell us any stories that you'd want to tell us about just maybe something cool that happened that you built a relationship with somebody, whether it be sharing Christ or just it's anything that you just look back on. You go, man, I will never forget that or that when I was in, we were interacting with them, some on the trail. Yeah. Um, so each, oh, that's my roommate, one of my roommates. He was from Brazil. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. But uh, one of the biggest things was uh, – for me at least, was everybody on the trail had uh, a trail name, and that's where they just got a name from either something embarrassing that they did or or something that they did that was really cool. And uh, there was one guy that we met, his name was Deep Thought, and he looked like he was always thinking. And uh, he, whenever we first met him, he just kind of, nodding and just kind of mumbling you know didn't really say much and uh uh we ran into him a lot and uh we went so each weekend we got off the trail because our leader where is he can you go to the picture where it was the bearded guy and me and the girl so the bearded guy is bamboo and uh he actually through hiked it back in 2014 so we went all the way from georgia to maine and uh, he had met people along the way. And uh, he, uh, so we, the weekends we stayed at their houses and stuff, with uh, his friends' houses and stuff, and just kind of relaxed. And uh, one weekend we were, I forgot where we were. I think it was Massachusetts, maybe somewhere on there. But uh, we were going to Chipotle, and we walked in there, we ordered our food, and we were all sitting there talking and everything, having a good time. And then we're getting up to leave, and I turn around, and there's deep thought walking into Chipotle. We're like, we're like an hour away from the trail. And he was like, he was there with his family. And I was like, all right, what are you doing here? And he's like, no, I'm just hanging out for the weekend. And we're like, oh, okay. But uh, we ran into him all the time. And uh, there was one day, there's a Friday before we went on the, to uh, one, of his, one of his bamboo's friend's house. And uh, we had to hike a mile up a hill and I was just kind of sitting outside the campsite because I was tired and stuff, and I was just sitting on a rock. And uh, uh, 
I was just kind of pointing people to the direction of the campsite and they were going in there. And then uh, I was like, man, it'd be pretty cool to see somebody that I knew, you know, because I didn't know anybody that was walking in. And uh, and then Deep Thought walks up. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I know, I know this guy, but he doesn't talk a whole lot. So that's going to be kind of a, that's going to be a problem. But uh, before I could say hi or anything, he started this conversation with me. I was like, that was unexpected. Did not expect that at all. And we started talking and stuff and talked for about 10 minutes, just how the trail was, what he was doing and everything. We went to the campsite and sat down with them, started having dinner and stuff. And then uh, we left the next day and he took off. And uh, a couple weeks later, it was like the second to last week, we're sitting outside this place and our group actually got split up. I don't remember how, but we got split up. They were a ways ahead of us. They were like two hours ahead of us. And uh, we were busting people back into town and stuff. And uh, me and Bamboo were, went to a McDonald's because that was where everybody wanted to go was McDonald's because of the Wi-Fi and cheap <laughs> cheap food. And uh, so we got there and uh, my, I was wearing sandals and my sandals broke and I kind of lost them. So I didn't know where they were, so they wouldn't let me go into McDonald's. So uh, I was sitting outside, <laughs> and uh, we were filling up our water jugs and everything. And uh, I just kind of turned around. And there's Deep Thought walking out of McDonald's. I was like, "Oh, hey!" And we started talking and everything. And uh, Bamboo walked over there and started talking. We just—it was that was kind of a big thing for me because here was this quiet guy who. I mean, he, every time we saw him, he never talked to anybody but me. And I think we just kind of picked up a kind of a personal relationship kind of thing, you know, and became friends and stuff. And he kind of, the day at McDonald's, he just kind of opened up and shared a lot about his family and stuff. And uh, uh, he, uh, the day we were back at the campsite and I had dinner with him and everything, he said the day after that he got sick and his parents were really uh, protective of him. So he told his parents, and they're like, oh, we're coming to get you. And they went to get him and everything. And I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool that your parents are really supportive and protective of you and stuff. And he goes, yeah, but it, it kind of gets annoying sometimes. And I was like, ah, you know. And he goes, but I guess it just has to come because my brother died or something like that. And uh, I was like, whoa. I was like, I was about to ask him how, like, you know, just kind of talk to him about, like, how that happened and just kind of how their family's doing with it. And he just walks off. He's like, I'm going to get a burrito and walk <laughs> off. And I was like, I was kind of sat there and I was like, what just happened? I was like, he just opened up to me and then. And then closed real quick. And then closed real quick. Yeah. And I don't know. But uh, I don't know. That was just kind of a really. Let me ask you this. Cool what? Uh, so how did you, you know, how did you see God work? On this, I'm, by the way, I mean, he got sick. You said if you live on the Appalachian Trail and then you go to McDonald's, you're probably going to get <laughs> sick. So yeah. that's probably what happened. But yeah. um, how did you see God at work, you know, on that trail, uh, whether it be in you guys as a group or the people that you came in contact with? Just give us an example. Um, so everybody in our group had a lot of fears and everything, and bears were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's how the one bear is there that we got a we got really close and personal with him a lot more a lot closer than we wanted to but uh um yeah it was just overcoming fears and everything you know um everybody was scared of the bears everybody was scared to talk to people everybody was scared like all right 
you know, when we get separated, like, if we get separated, like, how do we make sure we get back to the group, you know? And uh, it's just cool to see everybody overcoming these fears and everything. And then uh, building all these relationships with people. And uh, we actually got to see one guy get saved, and that was really cool. And uh, So yeah. what did, well, let me, let me kind of carry on with that question, and that is what did you, since we've been talking about sharing Christ and having the courage to do that, what, what did you learn on this trip about talking about Jesus? Um, I think the biggest thing I learned is that each person has their own belief in what Christianity is and their own viewpoint on it. And uh, it's just you have to find out what they believe and then just kind of tell them, okay, this is what it actually is, you know. And sometimes they get opened up to that and sometimes they're just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, actually I don't, that doesn't sound very good to me, you know. And uh, really it was just trying to figure out the biggest thing was trying to figure out what they believed, telling them what you believe, and then just hoping God is working in their hearts as you're talking to them. And uh, you have to be the one, that's the biggest thing, was that you have to be the one to start the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that was a, that's, a, that's a big hurdle, isn't it? To yeah. kind of get past where you yeah. get comfortable in doing that with somebody. Yeah, and especially with us because we're building these relationships with people and stuff. And they all knew that we were a Christian group because that was like one of the first things we said was, they're like, oh, what do you, they would ask us, like, what are you guys doing out here? We're like, oh, we're with the Christian organization driving and feeding you guys. And uh, so it was just kind of, after a while, it was kind of like this point, like, okay, how do we initiate, now we can initiate this conversation because we have this friendship with them and they understand who we are and why we're out here. And it's not like this thing where, oh, we just met this person, let's go tell them about it. God, you know, they kind of felt more comfortable with us and everything. We felt more comfortable with them. And there, but I mean, there were sometimes where it was, you met day hikers and it was like, okay, you know, God's telling me to go talk to this person. Let's go talk to him. And you have to initiate that conversation. Those were the hardest ones just because you're never going to see that person again, or you might not ever see that person again. And, uh, you know, they don't know who you are. They don't know what they're doing out there or what you're doing out there. And yeah, so... That's neat. Um, okay, just a couple more things we will talk through. Like, uh, um, what? How? How? Have, how did you grow through this whole experience? Um, I think I really broke down, like a lot of these fear barriers and stuff. Like talking in front of people. Like usually I wouldn't do this. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, I'll talk to each one of you personally. You know, but. Uh, uh, stepping out of your comfort zone, like, you know, you see somebody walking on a trail, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk to that person. And you walk up and talk to them. And that was the thing for me was just having the ability to, and the courage to go and talk to people that I've never met and that I'll probably never see again. And uh, just to initiate a conversation, not because you want something out of it, but just because you just felt led to talk to them because you don't know what they're going through. And, uh, uh, just that kind of stuff, and uh, did the uh, yeah. <laughs> the you know providing food and stuff like that? Did that help create a connection so that you could talk? 
I mean, is that is that yeah, a that big was, help in that process? That was the biggest thing. Is he's all the hikers are used to like eating ramen every day, and then we come up there and we the last couple of weeks we started cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff, and giving them sodas and stuff, and that was that they would they would sit there for hours, and <laughs> literally, literally they're they usually like at first it was kind of like okay we'll get a quick snack you know and go through because they were in a hurry they're trying to make miles and stuff, but when you throw real food and sodas and sugar in front of them it's like okay we can sit and talk for a little while you know and uh, yeah so that really helped us like when they're sitting there for hours and stuff and sometimes you see people come through and they haven't seen a single person in two or three days and uh you know you they were just eager to talk to people find out what you're doing why you're why you're out there and why this food is free and <laughs> Like, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy, like, when you offer somebody food and water, like, how many doors that opens up to talk to them, and there's all the conversations that'll come up, you know, like, how fast, you know, friendships will be made and stuff, and that was the biggest thing for us, was, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to, I don't know how many pictures he chose, but really quick, let's just scroll through those and let okay. him say something about them. Okay, so that was... That was the, what was that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that was most of the group. They, uh. Where are you there? We're at the, what is it, the James, James River. And uh, it's going right through Richmond. And uh, everybody there had never been baptized before. The guy in the front, actually, with the, oh, not, the guy with the sweatshirt on. He, uh, sweatshirt and red shorts. He, uh, he actually got saved the first week there, like the first night, actually. He got saved. He was actually an atheist, and I still don't know why he was, like, we don't know why he was there. Cause he came on a, a trip. Yeah, he came to be to a Christian organization, but, uh, yeah, but he got saved, and then uh, a lot of them didn't even know what baptism was, and so they actually brought him out on the James River and baptized him, which was a really, really cool thing. And uh, that was just them being super happy and stuff. So, yeah. And then, I don't so know. did you shoot yeah. some more? Oh yeah, that was that was the graduation day. Um, the end of training or the end of the whole thing? The end of the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's not really much to say about that, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to say. No, about that one. But uh. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, uh, before we wrap up, um, let me ask him one more question. Then if there's any questions you guys want to ask. Um, so when you look back at this event and this time frame, I mean, you know, how would you summarize it as like the most, you know, I mean, how, how would you summarize this five months of your life? I don't know like it was life-changing thing I mean I can't really like I can remember some like I, I mean I can remember stuff you know but like just like trying to remember stuff like okay how was God moving before as opposed to how is he moving now and just uh like I didn't really think like much like beforehand like 
you know, how is God moving in my life to now it's like, okay, what's God moving in my life? You know, how is he acting? How can I be acting for him? You know, uh, I so it really has changed, know. changed your, yeah, it's your changed uh, perspective of yeah. life altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things we talked about this beforehand briefly, um, and you guys certainly, um, you know, be in prayer for Trevor in this, because when you go on something like this and then you come back to, I don't know, for lack of a better way of saying that real world, it's really hard to try to figure out what's life supposed to look like now every day. And what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Because, I mean, I can just tell by talking with Trevor this week and th- this morning and, and hearing from him today that, that this was, as he said, the most life-changing five months of, of his life. And, and um, you know, to come back from that and then just kind of slip back into normal life is hard. And I'm sure he's doing a lot of wrestling with what does my life look like from this point forward. And what kind of things do uh, I want to be involved in and do and all that kind of stuff? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, um, it's a very challenging thing. Anytime we step out of our comfort zone uh, and do something just completely outside the box, uh, typically our perspective of life changes. And... Um, uh, we are able to, uh, you know, step into some things and do some things, and God does some things in our life that maybe are outside. And, and again, I know that most of you and us are not in a position where we can um, say, you know what, I think I'm going to go away for five or six months. I know a lot of us in this room don't have that freedom to be able to do that. But I hope that what you begin to think about is that um, stepping out of your comfort zone doesn't necessarily mean a five-month mission trip. Stepping out of your comfort zone can happen every day in your everyday life uh, right here. And, um, and when it comes to sharing our faith, that's so, um, you know, that's, that's where it's at. That's the way that's going to happen. We're not going to share our faith. 99% of us are not going to share our faith without stepping outside our comfort zone a little bit. And um, so I think that's, you know, part of the encouragement to receive. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Scott, just to, to build off of that, I, I'm not trying to. No. Remember, share, the, share the story about, about while you were at the DCS and you heard, you guys heard God's voice and you obeyed. Oh, the yeah. Talk to that person. Because um, I think that yeah. dovetails off what Scott just said. Okay. So. That's actually a really good story. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> not, for, not that I forgot about it, but I mean, it just didn't. Yeah, now it comes. Go for it. Um, so it was week seven, I think. It was right, right in the middle of the lecture phase. And we were learning about hearing God's voice. Is that the one they're talking about? Okay. Hearing about God's voice. And uh, it was on a Wednesday. And uh, so each we had to do like a one-on-one with the person. We each got assigned a one-on-one person. And uh, yeah, never mind. But uh my one-on-one's name was Jaden, and uh, we would uh, we'd kind of go out into the community every now and then. We would talk and pray with people and stuff. And uh, I was walking down to go to dinner one day, and uh, I see him walking up with a couple other people. And uh, he goes, hey, you want to come with us? And by this time, I already knew what we were doing. You know, we were going to the community. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, he goes, all right, we're going to, since we're learning about hearing the voice of God and stuff, we're going to uh, we're gonna pray and see what God tells us, you know, what does he want us to do this time? And we're all like, okay, you know. 
So we started praying and stuff, and uh, we each got different things. Like, a couple people got something that had to do with, like, uh, uh, field and grass and stuff like that. And then I got the name Tony. Uh, a couple people got Blue House. And one person got end of the street on the right, or bottom of the hill on the right. And uh, we were just kind of like, okay, that's a lot of random random stuff, you know. And uh, so we started walking in the community and stuff and started. Uh, one person was like, yeah, okay, I know what the field is, you know, and that we can pray for. And everybody's like, all right, you know, let's go to it. So we walked to the field and uh, four of them started praying. And then me, Jaden, and Bailey, Jaden was like, all right, let's go find this blue house in Tony. And we're like, all right. So we started walking and we were walked down to a street and like every other house in this, we were in Fulton Hill, Richmond, every other house there was blue. <laughs> and like, I'm not kidding, right? Every, every other house there was blue. And we're like, okay, we're trying to find a random blue house. And the person's name is Tony. He's like, this is, this is crazy. This is not gonna end well. But uh, we, so we started going to these different blue houses and everything. We went to like three or four of them on one street. And uh, we, we had a lot of good conversations with people. We got to pray with people and stuff, but we didn't find Tony. And uh, we went to this last, the last blue house that we thought it was gonna be the last blue house. We went up there and started praying for him and everything. And then as we were leaving, Jaden walks up to me and goes, hey, do you wanna go be with the rest of the group now? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And we started walking and uh, I just kind of felt like God said, no, no, you're not done yet. And I was like, okay, where are we going, you know? And uh, we come up to like this cross in the road and he said, all right, take a right. And I was like, okay. So I took a right and they took a left and they're like, oh, I guess we're not done. And they started following me. And like, where are you going? And I was like, to find Tony. I was like, I don't know where I'm going. And uh, <laughs> they're like, they go, all right, you know? And I started walking down the street and we got to part of the community that we had never been to before. And uh, we're just walking down the street and we got to another, we went like four or five blocks and we got to another cross section and he's like, he, before we, before I took the right, or it was like right when I took the right actually before, he, uh, I got this image of a blue house surrounded by trees, like a picture image in my mind. And I was like, okay, you know, that kind of gives me a better idea of what I'm looking for. And uh, anyway, so after the right, we went down the street for a ways and then we got to another cross section. He's like, all right, take a left. And I was like, okay. So I took a left and they took a right and they were like, oh, I guess we're going left. So they came back left and uh, we started walking and I was kind of looking at the ground. I kind of zoned out. I wasn't really listening to what they were saying and stuff. And uh, uh, we, I just, and he's like, all right, you're here. And I was looking down at the ground and I was like, oh, I looked up and I looked to my right and there's this house of the exact image that I had in my mind. And I was like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that is crazy. You know, blue house surrounded by trees. And uh, the funny thing is, is, is at the bottom of the hill on the right, like another person had said, and I was like, I just looked at Jaden Bailey, it's like, all right, Tony's in this house, or someone with, who knows Tony is in this house. And they're like, okay. So I was like, Jaden's like, all right, go knock on the door. And I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I went up there, knocked on the door, and this lady named Evelyn answered the door, and uh, I started talking with her and told her who I was and everything and what we were doing out there. She's just like, oh, yeah, you guys, come on in. We walked in there, and uh, she was just like, she had a few questions. We answered her questions, and I was just like, hey, 
do you know anybody named Tony? And she's like, no, I don't know anybody named Tony. And I was like, all right, you know. And then she kind of sat there for a few seconds. She's like, wait, actually I do. And then I just felt like God told me it was her cousin. And I was like, is it your cousin? And she goes, yeah. And she just had like this kind of look of horror on her face. Like, how did I know that kind of thing? And uh, I was like, all right, we're supposed to pray for Tony. And uh, she was like, all right. And uh, so while I had zoned out on the street, Jaden felt like Tony was a girl. And uh, uh, we were just like, all right, is there anything that we can pray for Tony about? And, uh, she goes, yeah, they have cancer. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, you know. And uh, Jaden goes, how long has he been battling cancer? And she goes, oh, no, Tony's, Tony's not a he. He's, it's a, Tony's a she. And she got breast cancer. And uh, it was just crazy to see, like, all these things happen. Like, we found, kind of found who Tony was, you know. We found out it was a cousin, found a blue house in the house around, in a community where these all these blue houses, bottom of the right, bottom of the hill on the right, you know, like everybody, pretty much everybody had said. And, yeah, it was, that's a, it was crazy. That's an exciting experience um, that uh, – you know, you don't get to experience uh, until you, you come to a place where you're willing to kind of put yourself out there and just let God lead. And, 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 and I would say also this is that, you know, get to a point where you let, um, you're willing to be like, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's like kind of let yourself be a fool for Christ. I mean, that's really, you, you, you got to be willing just to, to say, you know what, I might miss it. I might not get this right. This might end up being crazy. But I'm just going to trust God and I'm going to follow what I sense God's leading me to do. And there's really some profound experiences uh, when you do that. Let me, uh, I know we, we've got to get, but let me share a scripture and then we're going to close. Uh, from Romans 10, it says this. This is summarized for us. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So that's not just for a missionary being sent somewhere. It's not just for a preacher. It's for every single one of us. We get to be the feet that bring good news. But in order to do that, we got to step outside our comfort zone strike up a conversation, talk with somebody, and allow God to lead us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you uh, for this morning and just the testimony from Trevor and just uh, all the rich experiences. I know he could talk for hours about the rich experiences that he had, and I know you, God, you'll use those things in his life. And uh, I pray, God, for rich experiences for each one of us. I pray for opportunities, moments where we sense you speaking to us and we respond and we minister to people. And I pray that we would have the courage to share our faith with people, not worry about whether we have all the answers, 
or anything, but that we would just be willing to be used by you to speak to somebody about the gospel. Father God, we love you. We're grateful for today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys give Trevor a hand? All right. You guys, uh, we're dismissed. You guys be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday night.